ever thought about why people act the way they do? Why are some people more difficult to deal with, while others are always pleasant? Let's find out together. Welcome to Human Behavior. What a trip. Your host is Dr. Jonathan Brower. Our program combines expert guests with people just like you who have questions or comments. We'll have fun exploring human behavior. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jonathan Brower. Hello, this is Jonathan Brower with Human Behavior. What a trip. You're in for a treat today, folks. I have a guest. Her name is Dr. Randy Rolfe. And among other things, she's a marriage family therapist. She's written quite a few books. And she also has a show on uh, Voice America in the same categories I do under health and wellness. And her show has to be, her show is called Family Matters. And we're going to be talking about family matters today. The family is a very complicated uh, system. It's a very important system. It has wonderful capabilities and it has terrible consequences at times. Uh, it's the crucible for all life and uh, the relationships we have. So, Dr. Randy Rolf, I want to welcome you to the show. Thank you. Thanks, and, Jonathan. Uh, and if it's okay with you, we'll both be on first base names. It just makes it easier that way. So, um, great. Yes. So, Randy, tell me about your, um, your interest in family matters, your interest in being a marriage family therapist. What drew you to that and why you continue to enjoy spending your time in that area? Sure. I'd love to. Um, actually, my father was a physician specializing in infertility and he loved his work helping parents have the children that they wanted. And uh, so there was a high, high value put on family right from the start from my father's own profession. And my mother was a sociologist, and she also uh, put family first. She was going for a Ph.D. in sociology, but when my brother and I were born, she, she decided she'd rather be a at-home mom for us. So uh, they, it was very clear that Priority uh, was number one for family. And, and by the way, my show is called Family First, not Family Matters. There's a great show on NPR called Family Matters. Okay, Family um, First. <laughs> so so um, they really, we knew as children that they loved having us in the family. They dedicated a lot of time. We ate meals together. They uh, made sure we went to good schools. We traveled together in the summer. And the travel really set me off in the idea that families all over the world have a lot in common. You know, they want a roof over yes. their head. They want good food. They want time to be together. They want freedom and security. And so, um, you know, I, I thought, well, there's got to be a way to create more understanding and peace in the world. And when so I studied international relations at first, but then when I had my own family, I'm like, duh, <laughs> peace yes. starts in the home. So yes. I want to help families be happy and healthy, and then they won't fight. And so um, I studied law to and became a lawyer to uh, learn how the structures of a society affect families, and then I started writing parenting books because I was loving being a parent, and people were asking me why things were going so smoothly with my kids. Uh-huh. So my first book was called You Can Postpone Anything But Love. And yeah, that's a great started- title, by the way. Thank you. People started because, calling because me no, there's for, nothing for more private than, counseling. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm busy over talking over you. What did you say? Oh, I said that uh, as a result of my book, people started calling me for, 
for private counseling, and I was in the middle of being a mom myself, raising my kids, so I thought, well, this is great. I'll take uh, family counseling clients, and I told them, you know, I'm not trained in psychology, but I've written a book, and if you want to talk with me, that's great. So I developed quite a family therapy practice in Pennsylvania and uh, actually um, was on a lot of uh, TV shows and and uh, radio shows as a result of my books. So I really loved showing parents that the whole family system's meant to work if they work at it. So um, yes. that's how I got into it, and I love it. So were you a lawyer first and then a family therapist second, or vice yes. versa? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And then yeah. have you, you continued to do both, or are you just doing the, the uh, family... Um, yeah, I, um, Jonathan, I gave up um, practicing law in the mid-80s um, when, when uh, my books started coming out and people were seeking me out for uh, my counseling. I get you. Okay. So it sounds like the family you grew up in, there was very se- secure attachment and uh, you all functioned at a high level. Well, yeah, it was a very, very tight family. I can't say that there were some major stresses, uh, but yeah, yeah. we always knew we were top priority as children, so yeah. that was really important. That's great. And so um, you, and you've had practice in, in uh, counseling in both Pennsylvania and California? Yes. Mm-hmm. I see. So people can get you on both sides of the... Uh, continent we're in from both west coast right. and east coast yeah right right yes. and they, they can always reach me on my website randy randy okay, with that's... a y rolf with an e <laughs> okay r-o-l-f-e dot com so we can mention that several times during the show so right. um from your from your point of view what do you think are the biggest problems that people have in families that they can't easily seem to overcome? Well, uh, there are a couple of things. One, Jonathan, is um, being in a reactive mode to how they were raised. So yes. often parents, they, they, if there were problems in their home, they want to do something different and they kind of run to the other extreme. So if they were raised in an authoritarian household, they become highly permissive or vice versa. And so what I try to get across to parents is they they really need to look at how what do they what would they really like it to have been like when they were children Uh and trust their their uh, wisdom around that. I see. And then that frequently ends up being the way it works out. They they can come to some clarity about what they need to do to have a better family than they had when they were kids? Yes, yes. And and uh, one of my core beliefs, having traveled around the world, and uh, is that parenting is meant to work. We The, the, the parents that had the hardest time in uh, creating better relationships within their home uh, were that they had the hardest time when they thought that their kids were kind of a you know a ball of clay that they had to force into some kind of human form. Yes. The parents that had the easiest time 
in uh, improving their relationships were the ones that had some sense that this process is meant to work. My kids are working with me. Um, they're born with a desire to please the parents, to be part of a community, to be yes. valued yes. by their parents and yes. work with the parent, the kids. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah. So um, in a lot of families, obviously, there's two different poles. Part of the family at times is very loving and caring and uh, secure. And other times it's chaotic and it's insecure attachment and it's a mess. And um, for some people, it's more one than the other. For some, it's pretty much half and half. And um, the ups and downs and the emotions that take place in a family can be very strong and can be uh, dealt with in very comfortable, safe ways if the parents and the children who get to follow the parents' lead uh, can be safe and speak their real truths. Yes, yes. It's so important for parents to actually be there. I talk a lot about quantity time as well as quality time. Uh, They need to be there to listen to the child and let the child know that there's a safe environment in which to say, Mommy, I'm scared, or or Daddy, I, I hate it when you yell at me, or um, just saying, you know, I, I don't like my teacher, what do I do? You really need to be there to hear their problems without judgment first and, and just hear them out, because yes. often... It's it's about it's simply about building their self esteem that they can deal with a teacher they don't like or they can figure out what makes their dad scream so that they can be more uh, more uh, cooperative with him. Uh, so it's it's so much of it is it starts in the parent of just being there and open and listening. Yes, and for many parents, um, that's very difficult to do. Because they're afraid of what's inside them. Right, and that that's what I was uh, alluding to before. And I know you, you've worked with that whole idea that yes. um, there's, there's hurt from their own childhood that they haven't been able to deal with, so they're still reacting to that. The father yes. may be yelling because his father yelled at him or because he never... The other uh, side of it would be he, he was never able to... Uh, express his own voice. So now he's yelling at his child thinking that's a good thing. Um, so dealing with those um, hidden hurts from childhood can go a long way to rationalizing the the healthy relationship they want now in their family with their children. Yes. So um, when there's an attachment non-rupture that takes place in the family, so uh, the, the parent does something that's hurtful to the child, and then the child has retaliatory rage towards the parent, and the child has to push down those feelings. Uh, but at times, the child may have enough courage, in part because, in some to some degree, he trusts his parents, and he'll say to the parent something like, "I'm so angry with you," like, "Mommy, I'm so angry with you. I want to pull your eyeballs out and stab you in the heart." Now, a lot of parents would say, "How dare you say that to me?" Or they'd be flabbergasted. You know, you should never say that. But a good response would be for, let's say, mommy's talking to little Johnny. 
And she says, Johnny, I'm so glad you told me about this. I didn't know I was hurtful to you. Tell me more about it. And uh, we'll say we'll talk a little bit more about this. We're going to be taking a um, a commercial break at this point, and we'll come back in about a minute and a half. Okay. So so uh, hang on, everybody, and we'll return soon. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. Legal Shield. Total access. Everyone deserves legal protection. With Legal Shield, everyone can access it, no matter how traumatic or trivial. Check out players.buildinglastingsuccess.com and jjbrower.com. Call Jonathan at 805-535-5111. DefeatAnxietyNow.com is geared to help people suffering with anxiety and depression. Intensive, short-term, dynamic psychotherapy helps many people get to the absolute core of their problems and resolve them. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Interested in investing in real estate, leveraging other people's money? Call Jonathan Brower and he can give you some more information. 805-535-5111. That's 805-535-5111. SportsPsychologySociology.com can help you improve your ability to excel and enjoy your athletic endeavors. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. listening to Human Behavior, What a Trip, with Dr. Jonathan Brower. If you have a question or comment for the show this week, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to jbrowerphd at yahoo.com. Now, back to Human Behavior, What a Trip. Hi, everybody. This is Jonathan Brower with my guest, Randy Rolfe, and um, we're talking about issues in families. So what I was talking before the commercial break, I was talking about little Johnny, who's about seven years old, and he's angry at his mother. And he says, Mommy, I'm so angry at you, I want to pull out your eyeballs and stab you in the heart. And she, as a healthy mom, says, Honey, I'm so glad you told me. I had no idea I was so hurtful to you. What did I do to hurt you? And then Johnny, in his own way, would say it. I'm just talking. I, I just say it as an adult way. He would say it in a little kid way. He basically says, Mommy, you you hardly ever look into my eyes, look at me. And uh, that's why I want to pull your eyeballs out, because you don't see me the way I want to be seated, be, be seen. And Mommy says, Oh, honey, I'm so glad you told me. I had no idea. And then why did you want to stab me in the heart? Because when you hurt me, I feel it in my heart and I want to hurt you back. 
And she says, wow, I'm so, so glad you told me. Tell me more. And they talk about it for a while. And then um, she says, you know, Johnny, I'm glad you told me all this, and I'm not going to do it again. And if I start doing it again, then you, as soon as you can and want to, you let me know that I'm doing it and you don't like it, and I will learn not to do it. And then she says, "I, you know, he says, great. And then they end up getting back together fine, and so there's no longer the the, uh, the attachment bond rupture got repaired. So that's how I see it in a nutshell. And that is, is very healthy for the child and the mother to have that kind of interaction. Unfortunately, it's in the um, minority that parents are willing to take in those feelings from the child because they have the same feelings inside them that they're afraid of. So that's my little spiel. And now you're going to tell me about the, something you do regarding this. Yes, well, that's that's such a great story, and it just reminded me of a uh, one of my earlier uh, clients, a young family that uh, they had a ten year old, and um, the father was a construction worker, and the mom spent most of the time with the boy, and uh, he kept threatening to run away. He would pack up his clothes, and you know, it was like a like an old uh, our gang movie. He would. Uh, stick it over his shoulder and, yeah. and start to open the door. And she was just beside herself when she would tell me about it. She'd go into tears. You know, I, I do everything I can for him. I love him so much. I try to to uh, help him do things he wants to do and I help him with his homework. Why does he want to run away? Yes. And I, I said, well, next time he threatens to do that, Let's have a different reaction because she was just saying, "No, no, I, you know, I do everything. I love you so much. Why do you want to do this?" And and he'd just say, well, "I just don't like this family." And and I said, "Well, let's just calmly say, okay, uh, let's say, Tommy, um, you want to leave this house, right?" And he said, "Yeah, yeah, I don't like this family." And she said, "Well, would you tell me why you don't like this family? What is the problem?" And and he said. Daddy's never home, and you won't give me the snacks I want. And she's like, oh, well, let's talk about that. You want to put down your clothes for a minute? Let's talk about it. I'm glad you told me what the problem was. Yes. And and so he he had already dropped the clothes, and he, he just couldn't believe she was actually listening to what yes. he thought was the problem. So yes. they we talked to the dad, and he said, well, he's, he's only 10 years old. You know, I, I don't play ball with him or anything. And I said, well, maybe you should. And so his father realized he could he could give him a little more attention without changing his day. Yes. And his mother decided to sit down with him when he wanted a snack and, you know, make some, some cheese and crackers or a little ice cream or something. Uh-huh. And he never tried it again. But it was because she actually listened to him instead of tearing her hair out and saying, why don't you love me anymore? Yes. Um, it was completely different response and she had... She had no idea. Neither parent realized they, they had so much power to make him comfortable again, to let him feel loved, to let him feel heard. And uh, it was it was um, when I realized that such a simple thing could make that much difference. I just fell in love with with counseling because yes. it was such a, a, a light went on in their on their whole family's uh, life. Yes. So in your story. Um, both the husband, the wife, and the child all get closer to each other. Exactly. Yeah, yes. it's actually and a beautiful they, it's transformation. 
Yeah, and I, uh, it, it's amazing that it can happen in, in one session like that, and it, with one interaction at home, things can dramatically change when the child finally uh, realizes that they have input and that their parents will listen. But I also emphasize, um, Jonathan, that you talk so much about attachment, Yes. Um, that it, it starts very early. The more attachment, uh, the earlier, the better there is. And, and today, so often parents get off to the right, wrong foot because they're both working and, and they have kind of a medicated birth and, and they never really get that kind of attachment bond at the beginning. So they don't trust their own parenting and they don't quite trust the baby or the child. So it, it kind of snowballs into this fear-based uh, relationship instead of a trusting relationship. Yes, I can I concur. So um, recently, either on the Internet or on TV, I forget which, there was a, little, a, a show and this, this premature baby was in the incubator for about six weeks and finally the mother, after six weeks of the baby being in the incubator, got to hold the baby. And it was such a, uh, a deeply felt emotion for her and her husband that they finally could have more contact with the child, with the infant, and have the uh, the gaze, the mother and father's gaze into the child's eyes and back. And that was such a, a beautiful scene that they were able to finally have contact with their child. And then wonder, one can wonder um, how much of a uh, deficit it was for the incubating baby to be sequestered and not have much touch and, and uh, gazing into the eyes. Yes, as yeah. I understand it. Some hospitals, um, even they know how important that early touch is, even with, uh, well, of course, it has to be a medical decision whether it's safe, but yes. um, even with kids in the incubators, they try to make it possible for for the parents to put on gloves and stick them in, in uh, to the incubator and, and at least stroke the, the baby with yeah. the love of a parent because it can make such a difference in their um, their ability to thrive under those conditions. Yes. So back in the 50s and earlier even than that, when babies were in, in the incubator and, they, and the medical staff was worried about um, disease, and the lack of a good immune, the lack of a good immune system in the child, in the in the in the infant, they would uh, be more concerned about uh, autoimmune or immune problems rather than uh, attachment problems. So um, a lot of those babies would not thrive and die, drive, and would not thrive, and they would die. Because they didn't get enough actual tactile sensation, you know, touch from the mother to the baby. So that's very important for mothers and fathers and infants that the parents get to touch the child a lot and look into the child's face a lot and mirror the child's emotions. That's all a wonderful start. But unfortunately, there's a sizable number of parents who, because of their lack of uh, secure attachment, have a problem with that, and it's a huge issue for family therapists to help the, the parents turn the um, tide. So we're going to yeah, be, so, yeah. So it looks so like the, uh, we're in for, we're in for another break already. It oh, looks okay. like it goes by pretty fast. So uh, 
Uh, well, actually, I think I'm wrong. Maybe it's we have four minutes to go. So I take it back. We'll continue. What were you going to say? Oh, oh I was going to say that uh, often the, later on when the child gets a little bigger, the, the parents are um, more focused on control and uh, because of their own upbringing, they may think of, of they may have only experienced touching as an aggressive uh, punishing thing. And yes. so they don't realize that touching and stroking and cuddling and, and hugging can make all the difference between raising a child who, who uh, acts out just to get yes. touched aggressively rather than have no touch at all. Yes. So according to um, what we need, we have to have uh, oxygen first, uh, liquid second, and food third. And fourth is loving touch. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, we have to have the good touch. And unfortunately, uh, a lot of parents, because of their own uh, situations growing up, didn't get enough of that. And, um, you know, for, for parents who rarely touch their children and kiss them, um, if they don't do that, if they never do it, I've had a patient, well, several patients who had parents who literally uh, never hug them or touch them. Well, I shouldn't say never touch them, but uh, uh, those children have terrible problems because touch is so important. And um, I love to see, I, li- I like love stories, <laughs> whether it has to do with uh, adults or kids or a kid and a dog. And uh, when I see people loving each other and touching each other, it just seems so beautiful, and I would like to have that occur in every family in the in the world. <laughs> but it doesn't, it's not going to happen for the majority. I mean, it will happen for the majority, but not for the total population. Yeah, and I think that the parents can set an example. Um, sometimes parents are afraid of, uh, you know, public shows of affection, but I think it's important for the kids to see the parents, um, you know, touching each other on the shoulder, giving a kiss, uh, oh, hugging, holding hands, um, cuddling oh, yes. in front of a movie, that kind yes. of thing. Yeah, it's a very beautiful scene when that happens. So from your perspective, um, what are some of the main ways that you you help parents see what they're missing and how to help them get to what well, they can be um, doing. In in my first book, You Can Postpone Anything But Love, I kind of outlined um, what qualities of children that parents should be aware of. That children uh-huh. really, they the reason they need touch is they need to know as, as little babies that there's somebody there that's going to guide them to adulthood. We have the longest childhood of any animal on the planet, and we yeah. need parents to get us there or some loving adult. Um, And so um, knowing that the child needs you to be there, wants to please you, otherwise you'll abandon them on the the hillside and they'll die. So they want to please you, they want to understand, they want to learn, and if if you know all those things, then it's easier to respond. And in in my second book, The Seven Secrets of Successful Parents... Well, well, hang on, hang on, we'll come back to that in a moment. We're going to take a a break right now, I believe. Okay. And... uh, We'll come right back to the other point you were going to make. Great. 
Real Life Solutions. Voice America Health and Wellness. Legal Shield. Total access. Everyone deserves legal protection. With Legal Shield, everyone can access it, no matter how traumatic or trivial. Check out players.buildinglastingsuccess.com and jjbrower.com. Call Jonathan at 805-535-5111. DefeatAnxietyNow.com is geared to help people suffering with anxiety and depression. Intensive, short-term, dynamic psychotherapy helps many people get to the absolute core of their problems and resolve them. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Interested in investing in real estate, leveraging other people's money? Call Jonathan Brower, and he can give you some more information. 805-535-5111. That's 805-535-5111. SportsPsychologySociology.com can help you improve your ability to excel and enjoy your athletic endeavors. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Human Behavior What a Trip with Dr. Jonathan Brower. If you have a question or comment for the show this week, please call in to 1-866-792. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5792. You can also send an email to jbrowerphd at yahoo.com. Now, back to human behavior. What a trip. Hi, everybody. This is Jonathan Brower with my wonderful guest, Randy Rolfe. She's a... uh, licensed marriage family therapist and uh, if you want to reach her you can uh, go just write randy r-a-n-d-y rolf r-o-l-f-e dot com and you can make contact with her so randy you were going to be speaking about um, uh, how you help parents more yeah i was i was saying that um, in my first book you can post anything but love i was focusing on what's going on in the child's mind and and that you you need to trust that your child really wants to work with you to have a successful upbringing and in my in my uh, one of my other parenting books the seven secrets of successful parents I decided to focus more on what's going on in the parents mind uh, and uh, it's so important for the parent to take enough time before they see the child before they interact with the child like first thing in the morning or just before they get back from school or when they pick them up from soccer to to settle your head so you're not thinking about oh your boss yelled at you or or you're having trouble getting the doctor's appointment to instead think like okay I have faith in our relationship my relationship with my child is a success 
and I'm taking care of my child's basic needs, making sure he gets the water and the sleep, and you mentioned the air uh, and the food yes. and the love, and yes. having faith in the relationship and, and starting the interaction that way rather than, oh, boy, he's going to complain about his coach again. What am I going to say? Blah, blah, blah. No, settle your mind and think about just saying, hello, how did it go? It's good yes. to see you again. Yes, and in essence, to be in essence, then to be uh, very much in the present moment with your child, right? And they'll love you all the more for it. Yes, they want you to be there, and uh, you know, yes. when kids are supposed to press the envelope, they're supposed to grow and and test the waters, but they are always looking for that security that parents give, and until they're adults, they want to know you're there. That there yes. is a limit to what you're going to to allow because that gives them that sense of security. Okay, my parents are in control of the of this family environment, and I can rely on them. And they have you know some wisdom that I don't have yet. Uh, but so it's really important to be in that present moment, listening to them, and not lose your cool because then it's easy for them to lose faith that oh my god my my parents out of control. They can't handle this situation. Occasionally, yes. yeah, we are going to get upset, but we need to be able to back up and say, wow, I really lost it there, didn't I? Um, don't worry. It's not a problem. Um, we, we are in control of this situation. Yes. Uh, do you, have you happened to watch any of the Olympics on uh, TV the last few nights? Um, no, I saw the opening ceremonies, but uh, I didn't. I have I, well, I did see some of the swimming. Yes, I, well, this one I was going to mention it. There's a 17 year old girl. Her name is Missy Franklin, and she just got a, she won a gold medal last night. Oh, but, okay. Uh, but she is so uh, self secure and she's so open and and wonderful. So I'm, I'm assuming she lucked out and had really great parents. What was her sport, Jonathan? She's a swimmer. Oh, okay. So right. she won, uh, I think it was the, um, I forget which stroke. It was 200 meters either back or freestyle, I forget which. And she'll be in I'm other races. But, yeah, but anyway, she's a I'm a, a good, swimmer, so I, I love watching the swimming. Yeah. Especially the women's swimming. <laughs> yes. Why do you like the women's swimming especially? Because you're a woman? Because uh, I'm a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I relate uh, okay. more to them. Uh, okay, that makes sense. So, um Let's go to the dark side for a moment. Um, a week and a half or two weeks ago, already, James Holm was this uh, young man, I think in his mid-20s, and he killed 12 people and wounded another 50-some-odd people. And one wonders if he was just psychotic or if he had uh, severe attachment bond ruptures or if it was a combination of the both. It's really hard to wrap your head around all this. And um, you would think his parents would have seen how awkward and uh, withdrawn he was from people as he was growing up, and they apparently didn't do anything about it. It's a tragedy for everybody who is involved. What's, what would you say about all this? Well, uh, yeah, I, th I think you're right on that uh – um, barring some truly, you know, organic thing that he was born with, um, yes. which should have been treated a long time ago, yes. there should have been signs along the way that caring 
parents or teachers or someone in his life uh, would have noticed. And yes. um, often with these um, awful, horrendous uh, crimes, they there is a situation where the, the person's been quiet for a long time and the people around them think that's okay. You know, they're just real quiet. They're just to themselves. Well, quiet, um, they, quiet, and quiet that's and with, not uh, always the best. No, actually being overly quiet and withdrawn is uh, very unhealthy. Right. I remember yeah. when uh, I was actually on a, a show uh, shortly after the Oklahoma City bombings uh, with Timothy McVeigh's family, and they were in terrible uh, denial that he could do this because they said he had always been such a quiet, uh, compliant child. He'd spend a lot of time alone in his room, and they never had to worry about him. And yes. and like you're saying, that that's that's just as bad as having him bouncing off the wall. So you need to find out yeah. um, what's going on. Yes. So it's amazing how human beings can um, be in denial. You know, people who are 500 pounds or people who, whatever their thing is that they do that's really unhealthy for them. Um, it's fascinating that that happens, and it's also tragic that that, that, that happens. Yes, and yeah. it, the society as a whole, I mean, we really can't imagine the the horror of the thing. And meanwhile, the family's saying it can't have happened. And I, I always say denial is one of the most power. well, it is the most powerful human emotion. If we don't want to deal with something, our brain just says, oh, it never happened. And it's important that we um, check that against reality from time to time that we not get into denial when we see a problem arising in a child or in a spouse or anybody we care about. Yes. Uh, we, we need not, we, we shouldn't just say, oh, oh, it'll go away, oh, it's nothing. We need to look it up on the Internet or talk to a doctor or a counselor or a psychotherapist. Just run it by somebody outside the system, outside yes. the family system, who can say, no, that isn't normal. You really ought to follow that up. Yes. So from my point of view, denial is basically a defense. It's a wall people put up to avoid the feelings that are in them that they want to uh, not experience. Right, and it is, it's an important defense initially. I know I've, I've read about um, the uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome with, with um, soldiers in the Middle East that uh, sometimes they would put them with counselors immediately if they'd been through a horrible experience, and they said it was safer for them mentally if they let them go through a couple of hours of denial where they just, like, <laughs> go get a beer, you know? I didn't see that. Yes. But then do the counseling in a, in a day or two and let them go through some of those defenses because it, it, it is we have it because it was valuable <laughs> to us. Yes. But if we stay stuck there, it's, it's a disaster. I agree completely, yes. So um, in your practice, have you had uh, children and or parents who were um, extraordinarily in denial? And how did you help them uh, push down their defense of the denial? Well, um, one of the things, uh, I, I, I never actually counseled anyone that, had a child who committed murder, yes. like the McVeighs or, or the Holmes. But yeah. um, 
denial I see a lot. And um, like I've had, a, um, this relates to my newest book, Mothers Losing Mothers, When, when Mothers Die. Uh-huh. I had a number of clients who their mother had died 10 years before, and um, but they still were in real denial about um, the lack of attachment from their moms. And they blamed yes. themselves, and they felt incompetent and and underqualified for any of the work they wanted to do because their their mother had made them feel that way. And they were in denial about the fact that it was their mother's problem, not their problem. Yes. And bringing them out of that um, can take a little time, but uh, it it's important for them to take a new look at the family system from their adult point of view. And many yeah. of them, when they're mothers, they can look at that uh, now that they're a mother and see, well, okay, you're you're loving towards your kids, but your mother wasn't loving towards you. Do you think you were a bad kid when you were six years old? Of course not. Your mom yes. just didn't have what it took to be an attached parent. Yes. Um, and, and my book doesn't deal with that. It's just about mothers who love their mothers and are now yes. suffering with the loss. But yeah. um, the, the denial issue is is a big one that shows up in a lot of counselors' offices. I'm sure you, you've yes. seen it. So um, it's really important for for the child and the parent, whether it's a daughter or a son, a mother or a father. But when the child is able to see the parent as they really are, the parent can be lovely and wonderful in some ways, and can be hurtful and. Uh, Awkward in other ways, and just to be able to see the parent as they really are, and not have to uh, just see the wonderful part of the parent or just see the terrible part of the parent. Exactly, and I actually um, recommend that parents uh, admit mistakes because it's important that kids know that humans aren't perfect, and it'll save them a lot of time later in the counselor's office thinking their mother was perfect and they're terrible if they know that, okay, you know, my mom made some mistakes, she admitted them, and she would apologize, uh, and it's okay to make mistakes. And how to handle mistakes is just as important as, you know, to eat your breakfast. Yes, I, I totally agree. So we're coming up to the final uh, commercial break, I believe. Okay. So uh, I don't hear the music coming on yet, <laughs> but any second now. Uh, here we go. Oh, but now it's 30 seconds. So I, I guess everybody's hearing how I try to uh, do the show without messing up the commercial beginnings, but I'm a novice at all this. Well, so, congratulations. Um, it's a, I love the title of your show, Human Behavior, What a Trip. And it really is important, to, I think, uh, we should mention that because we just dealt with a real dark side, is that humor is so important in a family. Yes. You can break the tension just saying, hey, you know, what are we screaming about? Let's just go play with the cat, you know? Yeah, yeah the humor thing is really good as long as it's not done in a mean way to anybody. Oh, right. No, none of the put-downs you see on TV. Yeah. Okay. Here comes the drop of the music. (laughs) 
a healthy dialogue for your lifestyle. Voice America Health and Wellness. Legal Shield. Total access. Everyone deserves legal protection. With Legal Shield, everyone can access it, no matter how traumatic or trivial. Check out players.buildinglastingsuccess.com and jjbrower.com. Call Jonathan at 805-535-5111. DefeatAnxietyNow.com is geared to help people suffering with anxiety and depression. Intensive, short-term, dynamic psychotherapy helps many people get to the absolute core of their problems and resolve them. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Interested in investing in real estate, leveraging other people's money? Call Jonathan Brower, and he can give you some more information. 805-535-5111. That's 805-535-5111. SportsPsychologySociology.com can help you improve your ability to excel and enjoy your athletic endeavors. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. listening to Human Behavior, What a Trip, with Dr. Jonathan Brower. If you have a question or comment for the show this week, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to jbrowerphd at yahoo.com. Now, back to Human Behavior, What a Trip. Hi, everybody. This is Jonathan Brower, and I'm with Randy Rolfe. She's a marriage family therapist, and if you want to contact her, you can go to randy, R-A-N-D-Y, R-O-L-F-E dot com. And uh, in the last uh, few minutes of our show, we have more to talk about, and we are going to start doing that right now. So, Randy, we're talking about forgiveness. What During the commercial break, you and I were talking about some topics. One of them is forgiveness. Yes, uh, I was mentioning, you know, that uh, parents need to admit when they've made a mistake if they, you know, yelled and scared the child and just say, look, you know, I lost it. I'm sorry that I shouldn't do that. I'll try not to do it again. And um, forgiveness is really important, and, and parents need to model that. They can ask forgiveness from the child to say, you know, is that okay? I'm sorry. And the kid will say, oh, yeah, you know, I I know you don't mean it. Um, and, and modeling that. Uh, to forgive others, and there's a, we've gotten to be such an argumentative and litigious kind of society yes. that no one's willing to forgive anybody, and so it's really important for for parents to to let the children see them forgive the dog if it if it you know goes in the wrong place, or forgive yes. the husband for forgetting to mail a letter. Um, show that going on. It's it's, yes. uh, it's a critical uh, thing that that um, humans can use to uh, 
form better bonds. Yes. And then we also were talking during the last break about basic needs. So from your point of view, what are the basic needs? Yeah, what I found so often um, with uh, middle class parents is um, often the kids are running ragged and the parents don't realize that the kids are acting out and getting irritable and obnoxious because maybe they haven't had three square meals or they haven't had enough sleep or they're thirsty or um, they're just too stressed because there's too many activities in their lives. So um, looking at those basic needs can solve an awful lot of problems when you think the child's just misbehaving. They may just not be getting their basic childhood needs, that physical needs. Yes, and that kind of segues into another thing we mentioned about this uh, expression that uh, the child is being spoiled. And sometimes, yeah. go ahead. Well, and sometimes when people talk about spoiled, it's as though they're doing the child a favor, like they're yes. gonna, like the well, grandparents going to give the kid all the cake and candy he wants. Right, and, uh, and yeah, I, I feel very strongly about that. That. Um, you cannot spoil a child with love, with attention, with you know eye contact and hugs. The yes. only way you can spoil them is to displace that with some other reward, like like uh, cake and candy, or buying him the newest iPhone, or buying her that too expensive dress. Yes. Um, that's spoiling when you're substituting things for the kind of attention and love that the child really craves. And they don't even know that's what they crave. If they're not getting it, they don't know what they're not getting. Um, So then they're competing with their friends at school. Oh, i got to have those new sneakers. And and you you just have to say, you know, hug them and say, well, you know, that's not in the budget and you have some perfectly good sneakers. And I really, really love you. Let's go to the movies or something, (laughs) you know. You don't have to... um, it is spoiling to substitute stuff yes. for love. And then um, the issue of sarcasm. For some people, that's a good form of uh, of being funny, but to me, sarcasm is actually a cruel activity. Yeah, I always like to tell people, you know, it comes from the Greek word of tearing flesh. And it, it, is, it is hurtful and it's, very easy to confuse children with it. You think you're making a wisecrack to amuse yes. the adults around, but the kids don't understand it. And and some of them do pick up on it and use it in school and cause a lot of hurt and a lot of resentment. So it's it's a you don't want to model sarcasm, uh, and it, it really isn't smart. It's just kind of stupid. <laughs> well, not only stupid, but it's actually hurtful. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's designed to hurt. Um, yes. So, like that example you gave of the the uh, at the break that of the yes. wife saying when the husband backs over the flowers saying well that was yes. a good move uh, but yes. the child doesn't understand what's going on and and the the husband hurts he wants forgiveness like I'm sorry but if she says well that was a good move he's going to react he's going to say well I didn't like those flowers anyway yes. um, but if she says wow um, that's too bad he'll say I'm sorry. So it makes all the difference how you react. Uh huh. So in in the years you've been a, a marriage family therapist, have you ever had the uh, the situation where 
at, at one point you were work, working with a family, a mom and dad, and let's say the kid, let's say his name is Jim, the kid's name is Jim, and then Jim is an adult, he's now married, and he has a kid. Do you ever see the next generation come into your office together? Um, not too many times, but uh, it is very rewarding. I, I got a, um, a letter from a woman who said that she wanted, she just wanted me to know that she was giving my book to her daughter because it had made such a difference when she raised her daughter. So uh-huh. that, that kind of thing, you know, it comes back to you and, and it's, it's just beautiful. Yes. So do you have any more books uh, in mind that you're going to be writing? Well, in the family area, um, I I went back to school in the 90s and uh, got a master's in theology. And so I'm, I'm quite interested in how um, the, the universal force for good participates in family life. Uh-huh. So I'm, I may be writing a book about that, but... I I do feel that uh you know I've really put out there um in the seven secrets of successful parents and you can post on anything but love. I also wrote a book for parents who come from dysfunctional families which uh-huh. is a very powerful book called Adult Children Raising Children and that that's been a really good seller too for families yeah. that that want to break that cycle of of codependency and emotional hurt. Yes. So hopefully the people will look at your books. I'm going to take a look at some of your books too. Great, and great. Uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed having you as my guest. Thank you, Jonathan. It's been my pleasure, and, and uh, good luck with your show. You, you've uh, got some thank, great ideas thank you. to share. Thank you very much. And um, I'll be in touch with you because uh, you seem like a really nice lady and very interesting lady, and I could learn a lot more from you. So it's okay with you. I'll stay in touch with you. Oh, sure. It's very mutual. Thank you. Uh, okay. Well, thank you so much. Take care now. Okay, bye-bye. So, everybody, that's the show for today. I hope you've enjoyed it, and we'll be back next week with another look at human behavior. What a trip. And uh, for those of you who are listening, if you ever want to call me during the show, you're welcome to call. It would be 866-472-5792. So you can... Keep that number in mind, and you can call during a live show if you want. And that number again is 866-472-5792. So that's it for today. Hope you have a good week, and I'll talk to you next Tuesday. Bye for now. Thank you again for listening today. Tune in every day at 5 p.m. Eastern on TV for Human Behavior, What a Trip, with Dr. Jonathan Brower on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have fun experiencing your human behavior.